This is Real World Product Management. Real World Product Management, episode 13. Yes, the dreaded 13. <sighs> anyway, uh, because this is... Uh, Memorial Day. It's a holiday in the United States for those of you who are not from the United States who don't know. So uh, a lot of people are not available. I decided not to pursue any specific people uh, to interview and decided to do the whole thing by myself. So if that's that's your thing, if you like me uh, to go on about things I'm doing and things I'm uh, working on, please say if you're more interested in other people talking on my podcast, feel free to tune out and skip to the next episode. Hopefully it will be available uh, by the time you're, you're, you get to this one. Uh, I have a little reminder, a little PowerPoint presentation in front of me. I'm not gonna share that, but I will share some of the materials that I'm gonna be talking about. Um, it's, uh, well, I'll tell you later what it is. So uh, what are we gonna talk about today? What is the uh, topic for today? There are actually a few uh, I'd like to cover. Uh, since this is a special solo episode, um, I'm going to talk about a little bit about what I'm up to, things I'm working on. I'm going to talk about um, promoting product management to clients, about productization as in how to take things you have already developed to the market. And uh, because I'm working on about six or seven streams currently, doing same thing uh, with uh, different services, uh, taking them to the market. I figured this would be interesting uh, to discuss. And most of all, this is the kind of uh, uh, thing, this is the kind of the approach. I'd love to hear some of the feedback too. So if you agree, let me know. If you disagree, definitely let me know. I might be missing something. I might be uh, talking about things that, you know, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So by all means, let me know. This is uh, this is a cost. <laughs> this is a an episode where I am specifically asking for a feedback, specifically asking to let me know um, about things I'm doing and uh, your opinion, uh, your uh, audience opinion on uh, things that uh, I'm working on. So uh, let's move on. Uh, part number one. Uh, what I'm up to. Uh, one of the things that I'm tasked right now at the company I work for is promoting product management competency or product mindset to the customers. Uh, what does that really mean? A lot of customers that we work with are, and I technically I am in a consulting business, so a lot of customers that we work with are not really product mindset oriented. They're very um, project program uh, budget uh, way of thinking. They operate with projects and programs. Uh, Think, okay, we have a several year, uh, two, three years program that consists of multiple projects. Uh, You have a chunk of money allocated for Though that three those three years based on how the you know how you plan the first year, get your budget. You get your budget for the second year, third year, and at the end of a program, at the end of three years, you see how well you did. Obviously, not a good idea, as um, we in product management think. 
uh, well, some of our guests, uh, some of my guests uh, from the previous episodes would tell you that's the only way. Um, if you remember the uh, episode with the project manager from NASA, she is straight on point that you can't really apply product management, and I think uh, she makes sense. But um, in the more software, in the software world, in the more software-oriented projects, uh, not necessarily fully software-oriented. Obviously, there are other things, but you definitely need to take into account, um, you know, wherever you can uh, do better uh, by using product management approach or product mindset, then you should. And um, one of the one of the problems, uh, one of the challenges, <laughs> is that. Um, no one wants to change. And the current situation in the world with the COVID-19 pandemic is everybody must change. I was uh, browsing several online resources just today, and I noticed that uh, a lot of people are not really happy with how their company handled the uh, pandemic response. So, you know, people are working from home. That's not that's not where they want to be or people working from home, but that's not where their bosses want them to be. So it's really hard to uh, kind of uh, put a same measure, put a same yardstick against all of that and understand um, what does the change really mean. Uh, there are software companies where bosses, and I'm, I'm using bosses collectively because this could be project managers, team leads, uh, could be CTO, CEO. They want they want boots on the ground. They want boots in the office. Uh, on the other hand, we all know we can agree that 99.9% of software development can be done from literally anywhere. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, that uh, some of the major FANG uh, level companies have announced that they will be work from home forever unless you really want to be in the office or unless you want to come to the office. Then, by all means, um, use the space. But you, if you don't have to be there, don't be there. And um, it's a really interesting, uh, really interesting concept, really interesting approach where basically everybody understands that there is no requirement for developers, testers to work from home, um, to work from office. They can work from home. It's been done. We've been working from home for almost two months now. It's, you know, the case has been proven so far. So it's, it would be interesting to see how things will turn out. Um, another another problem there is that uh, companies, because of the whole economy uh, issues, the, the companies lost visibility to the revenue. So what this means, uh, for those who are smarter than me already know what it means, I just learned about it last week. I'm not that smart. Um, what that means is um, companies cannot predict whether they're going to make the money they were planning to make. In other words, we plan to say, I'm a software company, I ship software, people uh, subscribe or buy it or whatever, and I project I'm gonna make, I don't know, $10 million in uh, Q2, Q3, Q4. At this point, we don't know, and they don't know, and nobody knows whether we can make that $10 million or not. So I can't really say, hey, you know, I'm gonna have that $10 million in Q3, Q4, so I'll have the money to pay developers, I'll have the money to pay for the office, I'll have the money to pay for literally everything. Uh, so as companies don't have that visibility to the revenue, as they have uh, no idea whether they can make, will make those money or not, they can't really say, uh, oh, hey, we're going to keep this 
size of the workforce or uh, we're going to keep these projects running. And that's where product management kind of comes in. And you say, hey, um, product, man- product mindset allows you greater flexibility. You don't have to project for the next year, two years, three years. Uh, what you can do is you can start the cycle of uh, value delivery, lean, agile, however you want to call it, uh, and uh, build value incrementally uh, in short bursts rather than plan ahead for a year, two years, three years of a program or you know six months, uh, 12 months project um, and, and, and not really having flexibility to, uh, to do anything. Truly, there's no other. There's no other way. And in, in in that sense, I think my belief is that product mindset, product management mindset, allows you that greater flexibility, uh, agility, and, and lean approach. If you know you don't make the revenue target, if you know you don't don't have the money to support a large development team, you can support a smaller team. But at the same time, you can still continuously deliver chunks of value, just not the value, just not the amount of value you, you were thinking about um, initially. But it still allows you greater flexibility, st- keeps you afloat, keeps you in the business, keep you uh, in uh, in a shipping results, shipping, shipping software mode or creating value mode. So that's a really interesting challenge to talk to uh, people who were operating uh, projects, programs, mindset, and try to convince them that those days are over. At least for the next several years, those days are over. And um, you know, the there's a better approach. There's more lean, more agile in in the true agile, not agile, agile sense of the word. And it's really interesting to see how they react. So we'll see how that turns out. Next topic that I wanted to talk about is productization. I'm gonna drop. Uh, I'm going to drop the canvas that I'm going to be discussing into uh, show notes. It's going to be available on my website. It's a V1. It's not. Uh, it's not an alpha or beta. I've uh, test drove it with, I think about six teams by now, uh, six different services that I am productizing uh, in our company, and I think it works. I'm not sure. If there's a better way of doing this, if there's a, a better way to approach this, if there's a uh, more efficient way, maybe I'm missing something. So by all means, take a look, have a listen to the next segment, and let me know uh, whether that makes sense or not. Uh, if you want to email it to me, uh, your feedback. If you want to email me, it's askvlad at vgrabman.com. Uh, obviously, there's a form on the website. Obviously, you can contact me through Facebook. Uh, by the way. Question: uh, I don't have a Twitter, and all the podcasts that I've know that I know of do have a Twitter. So, question to the audience: Does it make sense at this day and age to start the Twitter? I'm gonna be probably I'm gonna have like three and a half followers. Uh, another fifteen will be bots. So I don't know. Should I? Should I not? Uh, drop me a note. Let me know. I'm really curious if you guys are following Twitter for things like this or, uh, you know, the regular things that I where I spread that the um, uh, podcast are sufficient. So back to uh, productization canvas. Uh, productization 
is when you have a solution, you've developed a solution, and you realize that you can reuse it, you can package it, sell it as a um, product, right? So you need to come up with a way to package it, to create that packaging around the offering, around the service, in, in my particular case, it's a service. So you need to create that packaging around the service and um, kind of tell it to yourself. Tell, explain to yourself what is it that makes it a product. Is it a product? Does it make sense to develop it as a product? Maybe you know it's good as a service, and you don't need to productize it, and you just need to you know service it. It's it's good enough as a service. So I took a product vision canvas uh, that all of you know. If you don't, well, what are you doing here? Go check it out. Uh, product vision canvas and I've modified it to go specifically to be able to talk about uh, existing services that have been exposed to clients that we've already talked to clients about we've already kind of been there done that but they're not packaged as products it's a bit niche uh, use uh, use case but it's still pretty widely used because I've, I, I found myself repeating the same uh, same old adage saying, uh, hey, I don't want to be a solution looking for a problem. In many cases, we have a solution to a problem as a singular problem without realization that there are other people, there are other companies, there are other potential customers who have the same problem. And we can repackage this solution as a product and sell it to them, offer it to them, um, as a product because they have pretty similar use case. Uh, so it's easily that, that solution is easily productizable, if that's the word. So I approached this uh, productization canvas. Um, it was a bit of a trial and error initially. Uh, it turns out it did work. It turns out it helped us uh, create this unified approach, us as in the teams I'm working with as a consulting product manager. I don't know what that means, honestly. I'm not a part of the team. I'm just kind of um, helping teams themselves realize whether their service is a product and if other any people inside the team who can take on at least junior level product management responsibilities and run with them. Um, we're not there yet. We don't have any outcomes. If you guys are interested, let me know. I'll definitely uh, try to report whatever you know. Whatever's not under NDA, I'll I'll be able to speak to that. Um, obviously, you know, if it's a trade secret, sorry, tough luck, can't tell you. Uh, but uh, as a generic approach to productization, um, I believe this works because again, I I've tested it, but I haven't tested it you know hundred times. Uh, that's why I'm talking about this. That's why I'm presenting is this with the more details that I had uh, initially thought to present it. And then, hey, let me know. Uh, if you think it will work, if you tried it in your organization um, and you, su- you succeeded, definitely let me know. I'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast to tell me about your success. If you tried and failed, I if, I want you here even more to tell me what, where, did, where did I go wrong and where can I fix this? Right, maybe the whole thing is wrong. I don't know, uh, but again, I've I've tried it. We've done it. Um, I think it works. So, <clears throat> again, basis for this was um, 
uh, product vision canvas or kind of like half of the business uh, lean business canvas. So a lot of things are very familiar, uh, hopefully. Uh, again, the purpose was not to create anything new, but to adopt the existing approach so you don't have to learn new tricks. You can use existing tricks to help you with this uh, with this journey of prioritization. Uh, so imagine same uh, uh, several columns or several sections of a document you're preparing. The first section in your document would be target audience. And again, I'll drop uh, I'll drop a visual in uh, show notes on my website. Yes, it's a way for you guys to drive traffic to my, uh, to to be the traffic to my website. Yeah, I, I need those uh, you know a uh, couple of people visiting. Um, so. First uh, item on the list is target audience. We split target audience into two sections, two um, distinct columns. Uh, because we're talking about uh, closer to the enterprise services and software, uh, we divide them into customers and users, uh, but it's really who will buy and who will use. In, in our enterprise world, it really makes sense to divide it as such because people who buy your software are not the people who are using the software. Uh, realistically, if your CTO is buying you Jira, he probably probably spent five minutes on it any given year. Why? Because he looks at the reports that project managers or product managers or team leads or department leads or program level leads generate for him. He doesn't have time to dig into Jira reports unless it's a pretty small company. In that case, he's probably hands-on on more than just Jira. So um, who will buy and who will use? The reason for that distinction is also to understand how to talk to these people and how to convince people who will buy it that they also get something out of it. Every step of the way, we are answering the question, what's in it for them? What's in it for the client? Why should the client pay you money for your product? Um, so people who buy, who spend money on your product must get some kind of a return on that, a return on that investment, some kind of a benefit. They have to buy something tangible that you know, later on they can report, hey, this is what I paid for and this is what I got. And people who will use it should definitely realize some benefit because otherwise why would, they, why would anybody buy it, right? So if you're buying Jira, and, and that's a good example, um, if you buy buying Jira, uh, developers are using it, testers are using it, project managers are using product uh, teams using it, uh, but they're not the ones who are paying for it. So that's, that's the distinction. It will help us later uh, figuring out a couple of other things. Uh, so break down who will buy, who will use. The thought goes that people who buy are budget owners, people who use are actual engineers, developers, whatever, uh, specifically uh, to the services that I was working with, but obviously wh whatever your product is um, may be different. And again, this is more applicable to large-scale operations, large-scale companies, enterprise uh, products and services. It might be different in the B2C world or it might be different in a smaller scale world. I don't know. Again, let me know. Uh, write me an email, tag me on Facebook. Tell me what you guys think. Second section in uh, this canvas, second 
big section is needs. Way we approach needs is really simple. We copy paste, and that's the exercise I went through with all the teams. We copy paste our target audience, and for each entity, I don't want to say the person or I don't want to say the role because sometimes entity is HR, right? Your product serves HR. Then head of HR will buy it and regular HR personnel will use it. Uh, So what are the issues that, what are the needs of each person? Head of HR. Head of HR wants um, better productivity. Uh, People in HR want not to log into 15 different uh, systems and just use one to see everything they need to see as a really simplistic example. So we literally copy pasted the list of uh, entities we've identified as a target audience and we try to list what are their needs and what are those needs, uh, which of those needs are covered by, which of those needs are covered by a product. As an example, if we're talking about HR and if we're talking about um, regular HR personnel not wanting to log into multiple systems to understand uh, what specific workers eligible for, what are his hours, what are his roles, responsibilities, what is his experience, uh, that would be the need, right? Save time on not logging into 15 different systems and potentially my product or services of the future will alleviate that, will provide a single point of reference or single point of entry or, you know, uh, single sign-on or dashboard with multiple screens for multiple systems, whatever that is. And that's how you would approach the needs section. You identify needs that this product is covering. You can't really list all the needs this person has or this role has. Uh, CTO has many needs. Head of HR has many needs. One of them is probably vacation, but that's not what your product does. So you identify the needs that can be closed by a product, and you briefly talk about how that needs how that need uh, how each specific need is closed by your uh, future product. Once you've done that exercise, once you've done with uh, target audience and needs, there come another, the third uh, section of this that is different, and that's uh, in full transparency. That's where we've got a lot of, um, I can't say problems or challenges, but it was challenging. That's where our teams, the teams that I was working with, that's where they got a little stalled. And way we've approached this, and again, these are not the people who are very familiar with product mindset, so I had to give them a bit of a background, but these are the people who've been building these services for a pretty long time. They know the service, they know what they're working on, they just don't know what how to approach this from the product perspective. They have don't have the experience, and they need to catch up. And again, it's it's a pretty niche use case, but I'd still be very interested to hear what you people may think. So, I approached it from three different quarters, three different angles. What are we selling? Why should they pick us over somebody else? And what makes us unique? So what are we selling, especially when we talk about service, when we talked about service and we talked about platforms and we talked about solutions, uh, everybody would uh, 
first time around when I asked question, what are we selling? Oh, well, we're selling the platform that allows us to do the service that will bring in the consultants. And, and that's where I stopped them. And I said, listen, you've already named three things that you're selling. You're selling a platform, you're selling a service, and, and then you're selling consultants, uh, consultants' time. So what is it that you're selling? You're selling a platform? Can we sell a platform separately? Can we sell a consultant separately without the platform? Would there be a value there? Uh, can we sell just a, you know, a, a, a playbook? This is what you have to do, and you, know, you do it. And, and that sparked a lot of interesting conversations as to what actually makes the product a product in each particular case. Uh, I believe it's very, um, very challenging to go through this uh, specific ch- uh, stage with people who know the solution but have no product background. Uh, that was that was the experience I had to go through. Uh, it's very interesting. It's very showing how people think about their product. Uh, how people think about their solution, how they think about making it into a product, because they still gonna own that, and not this. It, it's not. It's not a given that you, as a product manager, will step in and product manage the product. Uh, it could be that you're there just to kind of get some traction, and then you step back and let them drive the show. So it's really important to have these conversations about what is it that they're selling. What is this service solution platform? Um, can they be sold separately? Can they be uh, sold together? Should they be sold separately? Should they be sold together? Is there a specific value we can provide in each case? And if so, what that value is? And uh, once you've identified those pieces, you can start asking questions. Why should they? Um, why should uh, why should they buy it from us? Why should clients buy this? Uh, product from us and not from competition and what are the unique advantages of this particular product that's where they usually shine that's the teams that shine because they've developed it probably this this solution was built because uh, all the other solutions were not solving a problem or were not solving a problem sufficiently uh, so the off-the-shelf product didn't work, and they had to build something else, and and that's 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 kind of the beauty of this thing, right? That's where you can say, hey, uh, so this is what makes you unique. So that should be you know front and center how you how you talk about this. This also help uh, helped. Um, this piece also helps um, to define a couple of other things down the road, and. It really, really benefits from defining the needs first, obviously, because you know what the needs are, you know how your product closes those needs. So you talk about, hey, these are the needs, this is our product, this is why we're so unique, because this need is never covered by competition. This need is never covered, period. People still use, I don't know, uh, pen and paper. So ultimately, you get, you end up with the actual definition of a product, what the product is, what is it that we're selling? Um, is it a service? Is it a, uh, a playbook? Is it a consultancy? Is it a platform? Is it a combination? Uh, for example, you don't want to sell a platform separately. You don't want to sell consultants separately. You only want to sell a platform and consultants times together because guess what? If we just sell them the platform and uh, just you know send them PDF with the instructions, nobody's going to read it. They're never going to learn how to use the pro- the platform properly, and it's going to be a failure. And you get a reputation that your pl- prop that your platform doesn't work. It it works. It's just they never they never figured out how to use it. So 
it's it's a good conversation to have to define the, that actual uh, product offering. Once you've passed that, and and um, uh, again with people who are less experienced um, with product mindset, it is challenge. Once you pass that, um, the next challenge is probably even harder. Uh, and and here's why: the next uh, section is called revenue sources, and it's completely different from um, it's completely different from other um, items on uh, product vision canvas or uh, business lean canvas. And and the reason why revenue sources are there, the reason why I introduced it, because um, these people never really think how they're going to sell it. And that's what makes it a product, right? It's a packaged solution, packaged offering that can be sold multiple times. And uh, these people who built these solutions, these platforms, these services, they focus on build. They never focus on sale. And it's really, it's really dangerous uh, place to be in because you're gonna keep building for the sake of building and and hope that you know if you build it they will come. Guess what? They don't, and uh, that's the problem. And you, as a product manager, as a newly bred product manager, you are the one responsible for sales, and you need to attract people, and you need to tell them how great your product is. And guess what? They will like it. There will be market for it because you already sold that solution. So there's definitely a market for it. But when they're going to come to you and ask you, so how much is the cost? How am I going to pay for it? If I buy one, is it going to cost me the same as if I bought 100? And you can say, oh, you know, I'll be back. Uh, I'll have to think about it. Oh, let me ask someone else. Uh, you have to be ready to answer those questions. Uh, reminds me uh, one of the episodes back in the day when I ran my own business. I wasn't sure how to name the price. It was my first business. I didn't know I was really I didn't know what I was doing, and uh, it was really really a struggle to say oh, I was going to cost X or it's going to cost Y, and here's why uh, because I never felt justified. So this exercise, revenue sources, how will they buy it? How much they will pay it? Uh, who will be paying for it, and you know what? What is the um, what is the licensing model? What is the sales model for your product? It's really, really hard for people who are only building but never selling. And sometimes they know, sometimes they have an idea, sometimes they don't, and that's where, uh, as a more senior, as a more senior product manager, as a more senior person, I have to guide them. I have to ask them questions like, does your product scale easily? Can I sell one copy of whatever it is you're selling as easy as 100? What does it cost me as a you know uh, product company to sell one versus selling 100? If you're selling, again, let's use Jira, right? Everybody knows Jira. Uh, if I'm selling... 10 licenses, if I'm selling 1,000 licenses, there's specific cost behind it for the resources consumed in the server, storage, uh, whatever else. So you can calculate, you can project what your cost is going to be, so you can pretty much settle on the price. If you're selling consultants' time, it's even harder because it's, it's easier to calculate, but it's harder to uh, project because, you know, one one. Uh, service run and and hundred service runs may be completely different because 
depend, depending again what 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 are you servicing, right? If it's one-on-one service, that's great. If it's one-to-many service, like uh, um, what's a good example? Um, if it's a consultant, if it's a if it's a learning, uh, if it's a seminar, right? If it's a a class, if you're doing one-on-one, obviously it's uh, one thing. If you're doing one of one to ten people. It scales. If you don't want to 100, it doesn't. So you need to find the balance, and you need to teach that part, that finding the balance, to each uh, newly bred product team. How would they tell when that threshold occurs? How would they tell when that thing happens? Uh, How would they tell when that particular um, jump occurs, when they start offering uh, individual licenses or um, subscriptions or you know one-time payments where they start uh, offering volume licenses or enterprise license where you pay one fixed fee per year for example and you know use as much as you can so that was that that's a bit of a challenge to go through with um, with the um, team that never sold the product but it's also an interesting conversation because um, you may get an update on what the real value is. And you may, they may say, yeah, well, we think our platform is really great, but it's really, you know, everybody can build this platform in like a couple of days. So it's not really that hard to rebuild it. So we can't really tell them that they're paying for the platform or we can just tell them, hey, you know, pick up this uh, open source code and you can have your platform, but we're going to teach you how to use it. Or some such thing. So it's it's really interesting conversation with um, the uh, brand new product team as to how they think they're going to sell it. And the beauty of it is all these four uh, all these four uh, sections of the document: uh, target audience needs, uh, product definition, and uh, revenue sources will change the more you talk to the customers. The more once you start going out and offering this to your potential customers, your existing class customers in an upsell, you'll start seeing the questions, the misunderstanding or not understanding, or they're not getting it and you need to tell them differently, or they're not buying it and you need to change your model. You need, you need, maybe you want to go from uh, per seat license to per use license or per time license, or uh, maybe just you know uh, come up with the enterprise based on something. Uh, enterprise license based on something. So it's all uh, very flexible and it's never a final version. It's it's always a work in the progress. So you're going to have to make sure you maintain this document, keep it updated. So once you fill out all four, uh, this is where you start coming up with the product statement. I'm sure there's a better word for that. I, I like to call it product statement because um, it's your catchphrase. It's your 20-second elevator pitch. Elevators are moving faster now, if you remember. Um, we will work from home, so. It's your 20-second elevator pitch that you should tell your client to make him say, I want to know more. Really all there is to it. So you need to staff, literally, you need to staff a problem statement, solution statement and benefits in a couple of sentences that you can clearly articulate in 20 seconds while you're in the elevator with someone else. Obviously, uh, 
probably it's probably never happens, but it's good to have uh, because people's attention span is is really 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 small. It's good to have this catchphrase that will help you communicate the product value, what kind of problems it's solving, how, and what's the what's the value, what's in it for the client. Um, through a really short burst of information. The shorter, the better. Uh, there's no, I, I didn't come up with a specific limit. 20 seconds is just, you know, um, out of, pulled out of thin air. Uh, but uh, it's good to have that one catchphrase because here's, here's the kicker, uh, because every product needs a one pager. And in, in, in my book, uh, the best one pager uh, consists of two pages. Uh, yes, it's almost a joke. Uh, so it's a two-page, one-pager. Uh, catchphrases on the top. This is the you know the product name, and this is what it does. Page one is a problem statement, a, a, an elaborate problem statement, a solution and the outcomes. So it's really you know as is. This is what we have today. This is the future, and this is how we're gonna get to it but how we're gonna to get to it in the future swap. So same sales presentation as, as, as always, as before, as we all you know, as we all know and love, but you're really defining a journey. This is where we are today, we're gonna to do this, and this is the bright future that we're gonna arrive at if we only do the right thing. Second page of this presentation is really simple, it's your commercials. It's your, who's paying for it, who's the target audience, how are they going to pay for it? What is this sales model? Is it a volume licensing? Is it a per seat? Is it a per year? Is it a net price license? Whatever it is. And uh, how, how do I get it? Is that a download, SaaS, um, whatever it is. Um, and how is it going to be supported? It's very important uh, to include uh, a support model in broad strokes, general terms, on this one pager. Because... It's not, if the cost of ownership is higher than the cost of the product, then you're not doing the right commercials. You're not showing the right thing um, on, on your uh, commercials uh, page. So customers, especially again, in, in the enterprise world, but uh, in, in the regular commercial world as well, they care about not just the upfront cost, but what is gonna cost me to own this thing? Do I need support? Do I need people to come in and tweak a couple of things every now and then? And am I, am I have to, do I have to pay for that? So support model is really important to, show, be, to be present on that second page uh, because it show, demonstrates that you stand behind your product. And again, it goes without saying that um, some people think that, yeah, yeah, I stay behind my product, of course. Uh, but the problem is, you have to tell it. You have to say it. You have to tell the customer, potential customer, that you do. They are not going to assume anything. And if if they, if they were going to assume anything, um, they probably will. They will if they if they're going to assume anything at all. They will assume that no, there's no support. Support is separate, and you're going to nickel and dime them. So having that information uh, right on the one pager is crucially important because you're basically speaking their language. You're saying, hey, I'm gonna solve your problem. This is how I'm gonna do. This is what you're gonna get out of this uh, solution. This is how much you're gonna pay. And this is how I'm gonna support you as you're using my solution, as you're using uh, my product. And that's when the customer feels like you're taking care of them. So that's in short what 
the productization canvas is. Uh, for the third time, I think um, I'll put it in the show notes on my website. Feel free to get there, download it, take a look, and give me a feedback. I really, really, really want to hear your feedback. Would greatly appreciate it. Um, last couple of uh, things. Uh, I want to keep this episode short. Again, this is a long weekend, short days. I wanted to. Um, keep this uh, shorter than usual hour and a half uh, again because I'm the only one talking so a um, couple of updates These, this podcast is now available on pretty much every platform out there uh, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts Spotify, iHeartRadio except Pandora I submitted this uh, I think on March 1st when I released the first episode and still haven't heard back from them it's been two months and it changed almost three months so i don't really care about that anymore (laughs) Um, feedback on quality of the podcast Uh, so if you are willing to provide feedback uh, please do let me know through the whips website uh, vgrabman.com slash podcast or through the email askvlad at vgrabman.com i want to hear about two things I want to hear about uh, how happy are you with the content? Do you feel like you're getting something useful out of it? Uh, do you feel uh, you're not getting something useful out of it? And what would you like uh, me to focus more on? Um, if there is any problem uh, with the quality of the podcast, uh, some of the episodes are, were really hard to record because of uh, some technical difficulties, either on my side or on uh, the um, other party side, uh, sometimes it's unavoidable and we just can't resolve it in the short time that we have to record the episode. So uh, let us know uh, if there are any issues that make those episodes unlistenable uh, that you just, you know, turn it off and discuss saying, yeah, it might have been interesting if I could listen to it, but I can't. It just hurts my ears. Definitely let me know what hurts your ears. If there's anything I can do better, I will. Um, One more thing. Um, I started uploading these on YouTube, and this is my first video where you can actually see my face. So I'm trying to experiment with uh, different delivery platforms. Uh, All the previous episodes will be on YouTube in the form of visualization. So it's just my face, uh, some kind of a thing on the screen, and really cute um, waveforms. Uh, with the same audio track you could have listened to. Uh, I'll try to produce video episodes. Uh, So it's basically, I'm recording the audio. This is the microphone. And I'm recording the video, and we'll see how that works out. Uh, If you get bored with my talking head, I'll figure out a way to get to show you some slides, maybe some funny videos, make, you know, funny faces. Uh, so this, these, these podcasts are not only um, useful in terms of the information and uh, knowledge, but also in some uh, way, shape, or form entertaining. And um, I, I've asked this before early in the episode. I want to reiterate because it's kind of a interesting question for me. Should I do Twitter? I actually never had a Twitter. I had Instagram, uh, websites, uh, a couple of other things for my photography hobby, but I've never really had Twitter ever. Uh, should I start now? Should I not? Uh, these are the announcements of the new episode that I produced usually come out on LinkedIn, my website, and I created the Facebook page. Uh, yes, I am old-fashioned. I got Facebook page. Uh, other, than, other than that, I really don't 
put it anywhere else. It's just, you know, regular podcast distribution through regular channels. Uh, let me know if there are any other ways you'd like to get in touch that I'm missing. Uh, that would be really great if you could share that. Um, outside of that, I really don't have anything else. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to me alone. Uh, if not, just wait for the next episode. Uh, we actually, in our company, uh, we are producing a really great uh, series of events, and they're open to outside world. They're called uh, Z Days. I don't remember the link, unfortunately, but you can Google it, uh, I'm sure. And uh, they're open to outside. It's not internal company event. It's a um, community event for uh, everyone. Uh, we have a lot of uh, interesting speakers coming in. We have a lot of interesting questions. So hopefully by same time next week, it's basically weekend, next weekend, I would have a ton of new stuff, a ton of new information, uh, probably a lot of new people to interview and uh bring uh, a lot of new stuff uh, to these episodes so uh hopefully uh this is uh you know this is gonna get better uh really really hoping you guys can provide me with uh more feedback than i've seen so far and you've been listening to the real world product management and i've been your host vlad grubman until the next time 